With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host, Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Max Verstappen has won the Styrian Grand Prix, extending his lead in the Drivers' Championship to 18 points ahead of his closest rival, Lewis Hamilton, and marking four back-to-back wins for Red Bull. Hamilton finished P2 with Valtteri Bottas in P3, and Bottas was closely followed by Sergio Perez, who couldn't quite make a move for third in time. And while it could have been a really strong day for both Pierre Gasly and George Russell, it ended in disappointment for both after Gasly was forced to retire following contact, and George Russell's hopes of a points finish slipped away when he retired due to reliability issues. Today, I'm joined by Luke Smith, Autosports F1 reporter, and Jess McFadden, Director of Digital Strategy for Motorsport Network. Guys, let's start things the way we always do. Well, first of all, how are you both? How are you feeling today? Not bad, not bad. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting podcast. Not We've got, not got tons to talk about, unlike Paul Ricard, which in itself is a very weird sentence because he would have thought that would have been the boring one. Um, but yeah, otherwise, not too bad, thank you. Jess, what about you? Yeah, 2021 is wild if we're talking about the fact that Paul Ricard delivered a more exciting race in the Red Bull ring. But here we are, guys. Like, expect the unexpected all the time, but... Yeah, like, I don't think, you know, it wasn't a rip-roaring race, but I think there's enough, there was enough talking points coming off the back of it and kind of teeing us up for the third race of the triple header that um, I'm I'm hoping for a good show. I mean, otherwise, people listening right now might as well turn off, right? So let's not do that. <laughs> let's do them a service and uh, and chat about racing. To kick it off, let's do our ratings for the race. I mean, based on that intro, we don't... <laughs> Based on that intro and Jess's face that she just pulled, we're not going to have super high ratings. But what, what are you going to give it out of 10 for the Styrian Grand Prix? Well, we said poor card was, we said like a 7.5 or an 8, or an eight yeah. didn't we? Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, let's go for a, let's go for a 5 maybe. I mean, it wasn't really exciting. I think there's a, quite a few interesting storylines that we're obviously going to get into. I thought the, the um, particularly in the midfield, I thought it was quite interesting. At the front, it was just, total dominance from max fair play for that mm-hmm. um yeah but i think based on the race this year i'd go with a five i think i'm gonna go for a four um i think it's definitely definitely on the below average uh kind of race i, I always kind of judge it based on obviously you know here at Autosport, we are absolutely glued to the action but when i keep looking up and going oh wow it's only been two laps uh okay <laughs> uh then i kind of like i'm, I'm gonna be 
slightly more critical of uh, of, a, of of how exciting or enthralling a race is going to be. So Luke is totally right. There's some interesting storylines coming off the back of this race. Matt, it was an absolutely commanding drive from Max, but I think it was just mm-hmm. it's just disappointing. I guess for for fans when we're watching races like this that there wasn't anything really other than arguably Perez's kind of closing in on Bottas towards the end that kind of kept you thinking oh something could happen here Um, you know even the fact that Bono on the radio to Hamilton was basically just like just gotta make it to the end now mate like it was it was you don't want to hear that do you you want to hear come on Hamilton it's hammer time let's take it to him but it just wasn't one of those races so um yeah kind of a I'm gonna give it a four what about you Ariana because you're there so what what did it feel like what did it feel like from the paddock I'm gonna go for a five when it started I was watching from the roof and I was really like okay this could be something good this could be exciting that run up to turn one I'm looking for some excitement in this race and then um yeah we didn't quite get that and like Bono said just get to the end of the race uh so I was hoping for more excitement but we go again next weekend so I'm hopeful and optimistic that maybe we will have more fun next weekend but there are some talking points and let's start first of all with the winner Max Verstappen and then we'll dig into some of the other stories further down the pack now like we've said he was completely in control today and we didn't really get any you know major battles between between him and Lewis like lots of people would have hoped for with them starting on the front of the grid because he was just in control and you know there wasn't really any threat for him throughout the race so what were your thoughts on his performance today and what has he said since Luke? Have, have you had any interviews with him, etc.? What What's your take on Max Verstappen today? Yeah, so Max was in the post-race press conference and he was in a, in a good mood, as one would be after winning a Grand Prix. And it was a very, mm-hmm. very dominant display. And he was asked, do you think this is your most dominant win of the season so far? And he said, well, if you look at the margin, obviously, but then Lewis did pit. But he said just the feeling he had in the car from very early on in the race was good. Like he was getting all the good feedback he wanted. The balance was really, really good. And that allowed him to push. And he said that the big thing was that he could manage his tyres really, really well. And that's been a bit of a weakness for Red Bull so far this season. I think we saw that most clearly in Spain when they had the quicker car, but the tyre management just wasn't quite there. And towards the end of every stint, you'd see Mercedes just pull them back in a little bit. And that ultimately laid the foundations for Lewis Hamilton to win that race for Mercedes in Spain. But this time around, it was that Red Bull had both the quicker car and the better tyre management. And Max said that it was just really good going into the stint that he felt so good with the car that he didn't have to push really hard early on as he used to in the past it was that he could keep a little bit in hand and just sort of keep going extend that stint out which with everybody aiming for a one stopper in Austria it meant that it was yeah that was really what he had to do Um, but it did it really Mm -hmm. well and it meant that he could build enough of a gap so that once Mercedes pit the gap uh, once Mercedes pit Hamilton the gap was there that they could react one lap later there was no risk of the undercut because the gap was so big um, and then Red Bull came over the radio and said uh, the tyre deck was good better than Mercedes on that first stint which really did set things up for that second stint that Max could again just sort of push on and push on and eke that gap out and yeah we saw towards the end of the race uh towards the end of Lewis's stint on the hard tyres the Mercedes really really struggled and he he the gap dropped yeah. completely I think it was out to 17 seconds before Mercedes ultimately pulled him in for a second time so that really did show just how much better Red Bull was in all areas so far mm-hmm. over the race and uh, yeah Max was just very happy and I think the only moment of slight concern came uh, he twice came over the radio and said something about the brake said the brake pedal felt a bit funny yes. he reported a, a brake by wire message on his dash as well and uh, Red Bull just explained that it was just a case of going over the curbs and it just uh, leads a, a knock effect I believe is what Chris Christian Horner called it um, and Max said it's something they'll look at but that was really the only moment where you sort of thought oh something might happen here um, otherwise total control total dominance and I think probably the most complete performance we've seen from Red Bull and Max Verstappen ever I think I think that's I mm. think that partnership it's always been very good at picking up the pieces and nabbing a victory and sort of once in a while being dominant but I think today the gap to Mercedes was so so big and that's down to both the car and the driver just really working in perfect harmony today. Yeah, I think that it was such a solid race for him. And when I spoke to him yesterday, one of the fan questions that we had put to him was, 
have you ever driven a perfect race? And, you know, of course a perfect race doesn't exist, but I think that this race is definitely going to be up there with one of, one of their top ones because it was just such a solid performance for them. Um, Jess, what do you think of Max's and Red Bull's performance today and how they'll be feeling knowing that next weekend they go again at this same track? Yeah, I think we're kind of used to these performances from Mercedes, right? Like it was almost like yes. a complete flip um, from what we've been seeing so far in this hybrid era. Because Mercedes just literally didn't have a response. And they were mm-hmm. they were completely and utterly, you know, it was quite interesting to watch the strategy play out between Perez and Bottas. But in terms of the front, they had absolutely no answer. Um, anything that Mercedes tried, Red Bull had a big enough gap, as Luke said, to cover off. So it was just a really interesting dynamic shift to be seeing Red Bull in that very dominant, very controlled demeanour and Mercedes just be like, P2 is the best that we can even begin to hope for right now. So obviously, and it's so weird as well because Mercedes took home P2 and P3 and I know we're going to come on to Bottas a little later on, but you got this sense of just like this, uh, almost like a deflated sense. Just like, we just couldn't do anything. We didn't have any answers. We didn't have the pace. We couldn't have done anything. Um, And obviously Toto Wolff has, has... whether or not this is to be fully believed, because obviously this is Mercedes uh, and not calling Toto Wolf a liar, but he has said, you know, a big part <laughs> of it is that they are not developing the 2021 car anymore. They're f- fully focusing on 2022. Now, yeah. um, as John Noble pointed out on our um, our live Q&A that we did before hopping on this, um, you know, Mercedes aren't going to sit back and just let this happen. They're not going to let this championship run away to Red Bull, especially at this part, at this stage of the season. But it is interesting to be like, there does seem to be a sense of this, yeah, like this almost like deflated feeling within the team that Mm. they just, there was nothing that they could do today. And we're not used to seeing Mercedes like that. Uh, We're used to seeing them absolutely dominant and uh, so strong. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they can do which it won't be a lot, but what they can try and achieve between now or the learnings and the data that they can take between now and next week, the biggest change, I guess, will be that the the tyres are going to be a step softer. So, you know, yeah. there's going to be that to play with. But also they're going to have a ton of data from this weekend to be able to take into next weekend, all things remaining equal, because we're not going to talk about the weather because yet again, we were disappointed by uh, no rain turning up, which is just the F1 way, because I think it turned up about an hour after the race finished. But there we go. Yes, it did. Such is life. Did you get wet, Ariana? Is that... uh... Yes, it was literally when the driver interviews were happening in the media pen, suddenly it started raining and everyone was just sort of like... Really? 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 I could see the clouds coming in in the last few laps and I was thinking, oh, maybe. But no, no, of course it wanted to hold off until we were all standing outside doing the interviews instead and getting us all soaked. Um, Now, you just mentioned the fact that Toto has obviously come out and said, you know, we're not improving the car anymore. Our focus is on 2022. Luke, what do you make of that? I mean, I find it hard to believe as well that they will just sit back and, you know bide their time until 2022 and just let this year slip by. What do you think of the attitude of Mercedes at the moment? And especially the fact that, you know, this is the fourth loss in a row now. I think as Jess said, it's just so interesting to see Mercedes in a position where they can't answer back or they can't sort of come up with any ideas. And I found that radio message from Lewis to Bono so telling when he was like, well, what do we do? Like, what what can we do? And Bono was like, just got to kind of make it to the end and just sort of hope on tire management. And that was literally all he had. There wasn't any, oh, we're going to come in for another pit stop or, oh, don't worry, Max is going to hit the cliff mm. soon. It's fine. Or they were just completely out of answers. And it's a position that Mercedes hasn't been in really ever in the hybrid era. They've always been ahead. And it might be when they sort of, okay, the strategy doesn't go quite right. Or if they lose the lead off the start, then they've always got tricks up their sleeves, to kind of do something a bit different and make the difference and make the race come back to them. But they were completely yeah. dumbfounded, I think, today. They just didn't have any response. And that really just does speak to where Red Bull are right now. Um, on the development side of things, I... Uh, yeah, that is the case that Mercedes, they are looking at the long game. They're not looking at this year. And I don't think they want to put everything on this season to then sacrifice 2022 and beyond because they know there's this new regulation cycle coming up. We saw at the start of the hybrid era just how important it is to get ahead and sort of really plan and prepare. 
And I think they know they can't afford to waste that time, really. And even if they are staring down the barrel of a double title defeat, which seems crazy, they they just can't afford to give up the time and focus on this season, knowing how much it will cost them in the long run. And Tosa Wolf said that after the race. And he said that, yeah, mm. they've got to, they can't put weeks or a month back into this car and then sacrifice it on next year's car because of how important next year is. Because it just won't be worth it. The, the sums in terms of what you gain versus what you'll lose, they just don't add up whatsoever. So it's a, it's a really interesting position to be in. And he said that Red Bull have been turning up with trucks right the way through the weekend. There were stuff coming on Thursday oh. and Friday, delivering these new parts and updates. So clearly Red Bull has gone a little bit longer than Mercedes on the development of the car. And I think Mercedes saying development has stopped. Does that mean there's development already done that we're yet to see yet? Potentially. But Mm. I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to change the game completely. So it is a really interesting position for Mercedes to be in. Um, I think with regards to next week's race so as you said we go again at the same track the only difference is that tyre compound change and it's something that uh, Andrew Shovlin the trackside engineering director for Mercedes he spoke about after the race and he said that ultimately because Mercedes were worse on both outright pace and tyre deck really the tyres going a bit softer that's not going to change a lot for them they're still going to be on the back foot Um, but what was really interesting in in Shove's post-race interview actually he spoke about uh, Mercedes setup for this weekend and he said that they went in quite a wacky an extreme direction with their setup on the car this week and apparently Lewis had been in the in the loop simulator uh, right the way through last week and they kind of gone in a, di- a direction that they'd never really gone in before and he said basically what they want to now do is go through all that data investigate it and see if that was really the cause of why this weekend they lacked the pace to Red Bull so I think there's going to be a lot of work coming from Mercedes in the next few days and he said basically if they can look at that and if that is the reason why the rear tyres were overheating so much and did cause such a problem then they might have cracked it a little bit and they might be a bit of a step closer to Red Bull obviously Red Bull they're going to do all of their own work and analysis as well so they too Mm -hmm. could hit back but uh, yeah, I just thought it was really interesting that Mercedes kind of went into this race going, right, we're behind the eight ball here. What do we do? Let's just go in a really sort of radical direction with our setup and see if it pays off. And um, obviously P2P3 is not what Mercedes want to do. Four defeats in a row. It's Yeah, for the title race, you really look at that and go, oh, yikes, Like this is, this is stacking up now. But yeah. um, I think we've got two thirds of the season still to go. And I think it would be foolish this early on to say Mercedes are out of it because they've proven time Mm. and time again through the hybrid era, they can fight back, but this is a new challenge. So it's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Isn't it brilliant though? Like this is what we want. This is, this is the platform for us to be able to see the best teams, the best engineers, the best drivers have to really search for that yes. next level of performance. Like this is everything that as F1 fans, we should be so thankful for. Even if, you know, if you're a Mercedes fan and you're a bit, you know, sad that they're not winning as much as they were, or, you know, you're a Red Bull fan, you're getting super excited. I think, you know, even if you're a neutral, like this is what we want. This this is the test mm-hmm. bed of everything. And the fact that we get to see this play out and the where we are at this point in the season based on where we were maybe this time last year, it's just, it's just incredible. Like, it's so exciting. Even though we've had a dull race, I think as Luke's pointed out, like, it might have been a dull race performance-wise, but in terms of the story of the season, like, this is this is pretty poignant. Like, Mercedes are going to have to pull something out of the bag to come mm-hmm. back next weekend. And if they get... If we go to a fifth race on the bounce without a win for Mercedes, that's going to take some clawing back, right? That's going to... Especially if it's Max who keeps winning. Because that yeah. gap's just going to keep creeping and creeping and creeping. But I'm like genuinely excited and happy as an F1 fan that we get to see this play out. In case you hadn't noticed, smile on face for those that can't see. This You're beaming. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely loving it as well. I think this is what we deserve. This is what we want to see. And like you said, now we're getting into the real depths of the sport. We're getting into really them having to really scratch their heads and we're going to just see everything unravel between the engineers, the the strategic side of things. This is what we want. We want to see all players involved having to really work their absolute hardest in order to take these championships. So yeah, I'm glad we've still got two thirds of the season left because I'm definitely up for plenty more of what we've seen so far. 
But let's move down to Max and Lewis's teammates and how their days played out. Um, of course, Valtteri Bottas started fifth, ending up on the podium, and Sergio Perez closing in on him towards the end, but not quite able to make it happen. Let's start with Bottas. Talk to us about his race, what it was that you found interesting about it, and what you just make of his performance this weekend as a whole. Jess, you can go first. You always come to me first whenever we discuss Bottas. And, uh, I, that actually wasn't I intentional that time. <laughs> that I promise you, that time wasn't intentional. It was because you looked so engaged in the question. Well, I, I think I straight to you. I was going to say... Um, <laughs> Not the ideal start to the weekend, but maybe he should slide more. And I'm talking about in pit lanes. I mean, actually, not. let's not, because it's not exactly safe. But <laughs> we saw a different Valtteri Bottas today. We saw mm. we saw a feisty, like another feisty Valtteri Bottas. And, you know, he was hunting people down and he seemed to be having a good time again. And although, like, considering how kind of boring the race was... He seemed to have a pretty nice time of it out there and he was enjoying the battle with Perez and he was, you know, we heard him on the radio about hunting people down and that's something that we've not really, other than him complaining that people don't listen to him, it's a two-stop race. We don't get to hear that very often like, or we don't, we're not in a situation where we do. So I don't know, maybe this, this weekend, the fact that I, I did feel a bit sorry for him because... I don't know, on Sky coverage, they just played that slide over and over and over and over and over. And And he's become the butt of every joke because, I mean, who other than Romain Grosjean slides in the pit lane, right? It's not not exactly a club that Bottas is going to want to be a part of. So Mm. in terms of, is this a good weekend for Bottas? Good recovery drive. Um, uh, Podium is exactly what he needed, but will he want to kind of leave this very much uh, in the past, other than maybe this renewed energy, because I don't know if it's because he's been the butt of every joke or what, but it did seem, I just felt like there was a different energy out there for him today. Mm -hmm. And he needs some of that. If he wants to even, you know, finish P3 in the championship, he's gonna have to do more of this. So uh, yeah, not a great weekend, but let's hope that he's he's going to come out fighting and showing what... Because he loves this track too. This track suits him. Yes. He likes this track. So um, I think, yeah, we just need him to have a, a clean weekend next weekend and maybe he can be the lead Mercedes that, that is trying to chase down Red Bull. But remains to be seen he's got to he's got to pull up his big boy pants and get there so <laughs> just had a very strange visual there Luke what did you make of Bottas's weekend and what has he said since in the post-race interviews press conferences etc I think he's been wearing his big boy pants all weekend actually I think he's been in very good form it's been a I, I think it's been I would say Bottas's most complete weekend of the season. I know, okay, yeah, he did spin his car in the pit lane, which is quite a big boo-boo, but it was overall, I thought, <laughs> fantastic. I think I think he would have been the lead Mercedes today. I think in qualifying, he outpaced Lewis. He got what would have been P2 on the grid had it not been for the penalty. Um, and yeah, okay, we know he goes well in Austria. We know he's always had a bit of an edge on, on Lewis around this track. But he actually, I thought, delivered a really good race. And starting fifth, it was always going to be difficult. And really, the key to the race was how quickly would Perez and Bottas clear Lando Norris. And in the end, not very quickly. And that is really down to Lando's brilliant defence. He did so well on the opening lap. He was passed by Perez into turn three. Lando hung it around the outside at turn four, got the position back. And then he was really the cork in the bottle. I mean, it took 11 laps Mm. for Perez to get past. Bottas came through one lap later. Um, But by then, they were already 11 seconds down on the leaders so that was race run basically um and i think that after that i thought they did a very good race mercedes with bottas they saw the mistake that red bull made in the pits with perez that 4.8 second pit stop they yes. weren't going to bring bottas in that early but they reacted they went no no this is our chance they went for it brought him in got him ahead and then after that yeah bottas did a really good job to keep the gap stable towards the end of the stint we saw sort of him struggling a bit more with the tires but that was for both mercedes this weekend compared to the red bulls and then red bull they went for the two-stop with perez and mercedes said after the race they were surprised how late red bull left that because by the time mm-hmm. they did it the calculations mercedes um uh, modeling was saying was that perez would catch with one lap to go but he wouldn't pass. And that's exactly what happened. So yeah. I think I think Bottas, yeah, I thought he drove a really good race today. 
And I think that it would have been really interesting to see what he could have done had it not been for that penalty. I don't think Mercedes, even if they wanted to split strategies and have two bullets in the gun at the front versus Max, I don't think that would have been enough to beat him because he was just that good and Red Bull were that far clear today. But there would have been a bit more of a chance. So, so yeah. So I think I think Bottas can take a, a big um, a, a big boost of confidence from this weekend. I think he's been in really good form, and uh, I think yeah, it bodes well for next weekend. I think as long as uh, everything goes smoothly and there's no pit lane mistakes or anything like that, then um, he should be in good stead and and really to be there with Lewis and prove that Mercedes aren't just reliant on one driver right now to take the fight to Max at the front. Let's talk about Checo because you mentioned the slow pit stop there and then and then pitting him again. Talk to us about the thought process of Red Bull there uh, with the two stops and what you made of how Checo's race played out. But they had nothing to lose, really. I mean, they had a big enough gap to Lando in fifth that basically they were going to be fourth anyway. So it was a chance for Perez to mm-hmm. come in, go for the fastest lap. Obviously, Lewis had enough of a gap in the end to be able to nab that off him. And it, yeah. Uh, yeah, give them another chance to to try and pass Bottas because overtaking in Austria, I know some drivers, Charles Leclerc, for example, did a lot of passes today and made some really good moves. But when you're kind of in this, um, in this tight battle, particularly as they were going through traffic and things like that, and... Bottas able to pick up DRS off uh, blue flag cars. It's very, very difficult to try, try and catch. So Red Bull really did sort of have to think outside the box a little bit. And uh, yeah, in the end, it wasn't enough. They did leave it just that little bit too late to bring Perez in and uh, then, then make that switch. But it was, it was always going to be fine margins, I think, for that. So I think really that podium was lost with the slow pit stop. A colleague I know within the paddock made the joke that Red Bull are already slowing down their pit stops, even though the technical directive hasn't quite come into force yet. It was quite <laughs> cheeky. Um, but they, yeah, I think that's literally the only bit of Red Bull's race that went wrong today was that slow stop. It cost Perez in the end. But otherwise, again, he drove a really solid race. I think in qualifying yesterday, he said that his, his final lap wasn't quite there. That otherwise, he could have been on the front row. I think, like Bottas, had he started ahead of Norris, I think it would have been a very different race for him. Um, In the end, yeah, yeah, it just took a little bit too long to get ahead of Norris in those opening stages. Otherwise, though, drove, I thought, a pretty good race and really was quite unfortunate, actually, to miss out on uh, another podium. Before the race, I had been saying with uh, on the pre-race show that there was the risk, of course, that Lando Norris would be a bit of a thorn in the side of Mercedes and Red Bull in terms of holding up Perez and Bottas. And that's exactly what we saw. And it did affect their races. Um, I want to jump a little bit now down the pack to George Russell. Because, of course, going into... Your faces are dropping. You pulled the exact <laughs> Watching same this face. isn't video. <laughs> Of course, hey, going into this into this race day, lots of excitement, lots of high hopes. Starting P10, we thought, yeah, this could be it. This could be it. Um, and he started strong, but it just wasn't meant to be once again, was it? Just such a heartbreaking day, Jess. Oh, what does George Russell have to do? The Williams package is, is improving. George Russell is pulling absolutely everything out of that car. I don't even want to say luck. I don't want to say it's people on Twitter jinxing him. It's just one of those, it's just one of those things. Um, Hugely, hugely unfortunate because today, you know, they were talking about P7, P8, which for Williams, they just want one point, let alone Mm -hmm. more than one. It's interesting, isn't it? I think although these, these instances happen, and for any other driver, you might be like, oh, well, you know, is this going to cost you? I think for George Russell, it only strengthens his currency. The fact that he mm-hmm. is there um, and it's, and it's you know, the machinery that's letting him down. And we're all talking about how disappointing it is and how he was on track for a really good points haul for Williams, which for them is just so, so needed, especially when they're battling Haas um, for, for constructors' points is... You know, it, it's it's only showing just what a talent George Russell is. So whilst it's really, I'm sure he's going to be walking away this evening really, you know, despondent. And you know, the the scenes of the Williams mechanics with their ha- heads in their hands and um, was yeah. really difficult to watch. You know, it's there, it's there. It's just they just need. They just need some form of of luck, but um, yeah, massively disappointing. But also. 
we just we know we know he can do it so it's just going to be a matter of when no one can mention George Russell on Twitter as of tomorrow (laughs) no one and then maybe he'll have some luck I know yeah we don't have favorites obviously we are impartial but you want to see good drivers doing good things and particularly mm-hmm. someone like George who has been so close time and time again and last weekend in poor car drove in a perfect race p12 and all 20 yeah. cars finished and it's just sod's law that he doesn't have those races when all hell breaks loose and he's able to able to get up into the points and he said after the race that it was typical that the bad luck happens when they're on on track for a, mm. for for a good result and it would have been a big result that's the thing and um he he said after the race that obviously he was running eighth when he uh, had to come into the pits and had that slow stop as the problem started to mount. And he said that he thought seventh would have been possible because, yeah, he was catching Fernando Alonso. He's lurking behind him, which is a crazy thing to think. But that just shows just how good Williams what good shape they were in this weekend. And yeah. a lot of that comes down to their Friday form because on Friday they went, look, let's forget about qualifying. Let's not think about the short run pace. Leave that to FP3. Let's just focus entirely on the race pace and the long runs with this car. And in qualifying, George was still able to deliver, obviously being 11th, so close to Q3 and then up to 10th on the grid thanks to Yuki Tsunoda's penalty. And then, yeah, obviously fortunate with the Leclerc Gasly clash at the start that promoted him up two places but then he he held his own he had Daniel Ricciardo behind him in, in in a McLaren which is obviously a vastly faster car and he kept him back no problem then Ricciardo dropped back Sonoda mm. was behind him afterwards again no worries at all um and yeah it's just so gut-wrenching that once again Williams when they just look on the cusp of a big result that it just doesn't come their way. And, and George deserves so much better because he drove such a good race. And uh, Jess, you mentioned, yeah, they're in that fight with Haas. But actually, had George finished P8, that would have taken them above Alfa Romeo as well, which is just huge. I mean, we Crazy. talk about the Constructors' yeah. Championship. To finish eighth for Williams would be an absolutely monumental result this season. And honestly, it could all have been there on one race. And mm-hmm. we could look to the end of the year and gone, yep, it was that one race in Austria. George smashed it. He finished eighth and job well done. And I think I think the Ferraris still would have come strong. I think they would have both overhauled George in the end. So whether it would have been eighth exactly, I don't know. And I think that could be debated back and forth. But no, it was a fantastic display. Um, I asked Fernando Alonso about it after the race. I said, was it strange mm-hmm. seeing the Williams in your rear mirrors and catching? And he said, no. He said, we know how good Williams are recently we knew how good they would be in austria we know how good george is and he said i reckon it'll be exactly the same next weekend so maybe there is hope maybe next sunday could be the day that george russell finally scores his first points for williams i asked toto wolf about it as well and i said like were you following george's race because these teams are so focused on how their two cars are doing i often get messages from people working various teams after the race going oh where did so-and-so finish and or even who won the race because they're not they're not watching they're looking at their own cars and toto said no of course i'm watching what george is doing and he just said yeah it's a huge shame it would have been massive but um yeah there's no doubts about his speed as jess said like we don't ever sort of think like oh he needs these points to prove himself but I think for Williams, it would actually probably do more for Williams than it would for George because George is going to have a great future mm. in F1 no matter what. But for Williams, to get eighth this year would, I mean, that would be an amazing result for them. They can take lots of confidence and say, look, this Sunday coming in uh, for the Austrian Grand Prix, let's do it again. We know how good we are. Let's refine it and let's finally get those points on the board. Let's not jinx anything. Um, but <laughs> Sorry, yes, guys. <laughs> think, yeah, <laughs> tread carefully, Luke. <laughs> but fingers crossed, yeah, fingers crossed next weekend doesn't end in such despair for George and Williams. Now, the other person's race that was, you know, just absolutely went down the pan was Pierre Gasly. I mean, a very eventful first lap and going into the race, he felt confident. He was so pumped after his qualifying session. The AlphaTauris were looking good, him and Yuki Tsunoda in qualifying, despite obviously the penalty for Yuki. It just wasn't meant to be today, was it? It just wasn't Gasly's day, Jess. Well, no. Uh, victim of a uh, lap one incident, which was a strange incident. Painful. And I, I was also mm. like, I was, try- I was trying to count how many cars were involved. It was all very yes. strange. <laughs> It all played out like a weird game of dominoes that everybody basically ended up collecting each other and spinning off onto that tarmac runoff area. Um, very strange. But yeah, I mean, pff, 
over before it even begun for Gasly, really, because of that. Which, and I know a lot of people were asking, you know, why wasn't Charles penalised for causing that? Because, you know, it ultimately took Gasly out of the race. It, you know, caused a lot of damage. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the the the, pro- the problem is, is like when you're watching it on the TV coverage, or you know, even what the stewards are looking at, it can be quite uh, maybe more simplistic. I'm not sure. I haven't really decided if I'm going to apply blame. Maybe Charles wouldn't have gone there if that tarmac runoff was wasn't available to uh, yeah. to escape down. And you know, if he'd have been, if there was a gravel trap or something there, would he have backed out of that um, out of where he was? And and then would they have all made it round uh, safely? But it's kind of again gift of hindsight and. Uh, lap one incidences are viewed with slightly less uh kind of uh what's the word slightly just they're 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 just deemed to be they're more likely to happen because of the the way that the cars are all positioned but you know the drivers do have to keep an eye out obviously it's not kind of free for all and do what you want crash you into whoever you Mm. want to but it is given more leniency that's the word i was looking for just had to waffle on for another 30 seconds and i found the word but yeah they're given more um they're given more leniency so but you know, I mean, this is the thing now. I don't know if we want to jump straight into Charles Leclerc because I know you've got an order exactly to this. That's exactly where we're going next. Well, there we go. That's I'm where gonna... we're going next. So you take it there. I'm going to link it up, right? Contra- well, I don't know if it is a controversial opinion because I have seen this quite a bit on Twitter. Um, Charles Leclerc, not driver of the day. Um, I think you Get know straight in there. <laughs> if you if you if you semi ruin your own race get a commanding sure enough like he was commanding but his teammate did the same thing but from from a position that actually gained ferrari points not not start p7 and climb your way back to p7 carlos finished p6 from p12 and did we see any of those Mm -hmm. passes did we hell like, did we did we get to see any of that? And so everyone gets. I I, th- I blame the TV coverage for this, right? And I also it, it gives me a bit of a bugbear. You know, Ariana, I love anything to do with a fan involvement, fan engagement piece. I think you know, I think it's brilliant that fans get to vote on these things. But I do feel like driver of the day is more like entertainment giver of the day. Because there's so yeah, often, isn't often, there, yeah. that, you know, the, the driver of the day actually is the guy out in P1 who's had the most commanding race, had to, you know, handle strategy, play out everything. But that's boring. That's too obvious. We don't give driver of the day to the guy who wins. We give driver of the day to the guy that gives us the most uh, entertainment or, or provides us with the most excitement. So, you know, I don't want to get cynical about it. I'm not saying I'm not for a second saying let's get rid of it because I think it adds a different narrative to the racing and how we view the racing and but I do feel like Carlos Sainz was absolutely flipping robbed of driver of the day today and I'm as you might be able to tell I'm a bit mad about it I would even (laughs) say Lance Stroll was deserving of driver of the day today because I think he was a driver who had an absolute stellar race Luke doesn't look like he agrees but anyway I'm just um, I'm I'm loving the takes I'm loving the takes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd be interested to know how you guys feel because I just do think it is victim of this whole like we get to see all these moves on TV and it looks great, but it, it, and it's nobody's fault, right? Because if that's what we're shown, then that's how we're going to be directed in terms of the action. We don't get to see everything unless you're mm-hmm. watching on F1 TV or whatever, where you've got multi-screen and you can watch different onboards. You miss all this stuff. But so it's just so it's so yeah. unfair. I mean, I guess it's our jobs as well to highlight these great performances and go, hey, here's what you missed. Um, but the TV director, why is the TV director allergic to Carlos Sainz? It's like a running theme. I don't get it. Because he's not overtaking anyone. That's what it's down to. Leclerc well, was giving the action and putting true. in the overtakes, and that's that's what that's what the fans want to see, I guess. And but I do agree. Luke, I think that, do yeah, you agree? The day, yeah. Do you agree um, yeah. that driver of the day should be uh, someone like Carlos Sainz or Lance Stroll? Driver of the day Who ultimately does for? kind of come down to. Uh, I would probably go for. I'd probably go for Max Verstappen to be very boring. Okay, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. don't, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, Sainz drove a very, very good race, 
but I think the Ferrari in the race, I think that I think the Ferrari in the race was the fourth quickest car. And I think actually very, very close to the McLaren. And I think Carlos Strobel, a brilliant race. He did really well to manage his tyres through that first stint, come in, had a fresh set of hearts. And he actually explained after the race that had it not been for sort of the uncertainty about lapping Lewis Hamilton, he probably would have been able to take the fight to Lando um, for P5. Because he said that he, um, he had Hamilton in front of him and he kind of thought, okay, well, Lewis is quick obviously um i'm just going to follow him and we'll get up towards lando together and then he kind of realized after a couple of laps that okay lewis was struggling with his tires and he said he spent sort of five to ten laps dithering a little bit and just be like oh should i unlap myself should i not and by the time he did mm-hmm. it was too late to then go and and um, catch up with lando um so yeah he drove a very good race I, I thought lance stroll did a very very good job as well and i think that's a, a really good day for aston martin particularly given that alpine um did, weren't so hot today and obviously the alpha Tauri only scored one point um yeah Leclerc drove a, a good race to recover don't get me wrong but I think driver of the day does often go to the driver who maybe has an incident on the first lap pits has to change up the strategy and then does fight through and does pull off some brilliant yeah. overtakes yes but the Ferrari was so much quicker today than it was in qualifying which is something that both Ferrari drivers said they want to sort of understand because it's kind of been the other way around this year. Um, the, yeah, it wasn't really this sort of heroic drive. Yeah, it wasn't really a heroic drive. It was very, very, very good. Um, it was ballsy, but- right? And it's what we, we, it's what we ballsy, used to see yeah. from Charles yeah, totally. Leclerc, right? But he had to do that yeah. because he cocked up. So <laughs> Exactly. You know, yep. It's, yep. It's, it's kind of one of those ones where it's like, well, good job you finished P7 because otherwise it would have been a terrible day for you. So yeah. especially, from especially seventh to seventh. Especially when the, the race is so tight between McLaren yes. and Ferrari. And Ferrari, yeah. You, you can't again, like no one can afford an off day, no one can afford an off race. Um which is great again, exciting. Yes, we love it. But yeah, I just don't think just don't think he's driving today. Soz shells. Yes. We can tell that you feel strongly about can you? that one, Jess. Should I, should I keep going or should I stop? Should I stop? All right, I'll stop. Yeah, no, we got we got that. We got that. Um, I want to talk about the McLarens now. Like we've just said, we probably can't afford off days in this battle for third in the Constructors' Championship. McLaren, it was a strange weekend for them. Very different feelings depending on what side of the garage you are on. Let's start with Lando Norris and his weekend and race day. Luke, what did you think of Norris's performance? You know, like we said, he ended up holding up Perez and Bottas, trying to hold on there to that spot, but wasn't possible. But still, um, finishing up a pretty decent result. Yeah, brilliant, I thought. And it was, I think mm. Lando said it was quite a boring race afterwards. And yes, it might have been did. for him, but actually, he did exactly what he needed to do. McLaren obviously didn't have the pace to fight with Mercedes or Red Bull over the long run. So he was always kind of going to be a bit of a sitting duck uh, in that fight for third. And um, as I said earlier, I mean, the pass he did on Perez on the opening lap to get mm-hmm. back third place was absolutely fantastic because Perez got him into turn three and I kind of thought, okay, well, that's that's job done. Like, okay, Lando's going to drop back now. And then they went into turn four and he just hung it around the outside absolutely brilliantly and did a fantastic pass. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like overtakes the season, it's maybe a little bit early to be talking about that, but it was one of the moves of the year so far for me. And, uh, and that, yeah, it completely changed the dynamic of the race at the front. Um, but by the time that Perez and Bottas did get past, yeah, Lando was kind of in this no man's land where he was far enough ahead of the guys behind. Stroll's pace wasn't so brilliant as he sort of got longer into his stints that allowed the gap to open up as well. And uh, yeah, in the end, he was he was pretty comfortable. And I think it would have been interesting to see Science come back at him in the closing stages had he unlapped himself a little bit earlier. But um, yeah, it's another top five finish for Lando Norris. And that's seven out of eight so far this season, which is incredible. He's fourth in the championship. He's only 10 points off Sergio Perez, who's won a race. He's 12 clear of Valtteri Bottas. And really for McLaren, he's kind of single-handedly keeping them third in the Constructors' Championship right now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's great. And it's just really cool to see Lando is putting in these consistent performances. And even on a very sort of like, I think, and I mean this in a nice way, it was quite a forgettable weekend for Lando Norris, but that's because of just how good it was in terms of him just doing his job, delivering the maximum for McLaren. He couldn't have done any more. Like He couldn't have finished any higher than fifth today in a very normal race. He did that qualifying, uh, what, 
fourth and then moving up to third again. That's exceeding what that car should be doing. It should be fifth at best. So, no, full credit to him. Um, yeah, and just interesting that his teammate, his esteemed teammate, can't seem to hold a candle to him right now. Yeah, I mean, I know we talk about it pretty much every weekend now, but Lando Norris is really just not dropping the ball. He is just consistently, every race weekend, showing up, doing what he needs to do and more. And I mean, yeah, it's incredible to watch. It's one of my favourite driver journeys to follow actually this season because he's just jumped so much in terms of his performance. Absolutely fantastic. But you just mentioned Daniel Ricciardo, who of course did not have such a solid weekend. Must be very difficult watching Lando doing so exceptionally well when he is struggling so much. Jess, thoughts on Daniel Ricciardo's race and weekend because, you know, qualifying wasn't wasn't good either. They just don't seem to know. That's that's the worrying thing. <sighs> that's the frustrating bit, isn't it? Um, I mean, obviously there, there was an issue today, which is why, because he mm. had a flipping amazing start. And you were yes. like, yes, he's here. Here is Daniel Ricciardo. You know, he's gonna, you know, help kind of rewrite some of the wrongs that have gone on this season so far. And then you just saw him just drop off the face of the earth, basically, and just go backwards because of a control issue. And I'm, not, I'm sure Luke's got uh, more info on that from the press conferences that we've that we've had in terms of what that issue is. Or maybe not. I might be throwing Luke under a bus there. Um, but uh, <laughs> you're welcome, Luke. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Friday, Friday was so promising. I know it's only Friday and I know, you know, we can't do uh you know predict the orders really from from Friday practice but you know he was second in FP2 he seemed really like pumped and was comfortable turn up on Saturday and all of a sudden that's all gone and something's happened and they don't seem to know what it is and then they come into the race today kind of hoping for a bit of a recovery gets it as we kind of as I've just mentioned and then ah control issue means that you just tootle around and I mean I think it was Rachel Brooks that, that that suggested maybe he needs to go off into the mountains and just scream into the ether because that's all I can imagine he's feeling is like super amounts of frustration he did the hard work today and then by the time they'd sorted out the issue on track he it was too late it was too far down the peck in order to really make a difference and it was just so gutting to see he needs he needs some sort of kind of fortune change as well because you know it gets into your head and we and we yeah. know Daniel Ricardo's great and he's got a good um like good resources around him good coach um who no doubt will be working with him to keep his head up and keep his chin up and keep 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 pushing which is what I swear any I I lost count how many times people people said we've just got to keep pushing keep pushing it's like one of those like just go-to phrases that probably it's just stopped it's just stopped meaning anything to me now um but it's just a yeah just a funny little phrase that they say but yeah he does that's what he has to do Lando has been there now this is his third season he's very comfortable with his setup he's very comfortable with the car and he's very comfortable as a driver. So that's what's, that is what's in his favour now. And Ricardo just needs some of that magic back. Do we have any more info on what went wrong there or any anything that we've heard in the press conferences since about how Daniel is feeling after this weekend? Because he came into this triple header excited for it. He was really looking forward to having that consistency weekend, weekend in, weekend out of racing, racing, racing. And here we are in the second race and... It's not it's not looking good actually at all. Do we know any more about what he's said since and what the team have said? Yeah, so in terms of the exact issue, it's something that Mercedes are still working to define on the power unit that's in that McLaren car. So we don't exactly know what the cause there was. Um, but Daniel was understandably very downbeat after the race because he said that he was ahead of science on track. He was on exactly the same strategy. He delivered exactly the same strategy in the end. He went to lap 41 uh, on the mediums before making the switch to the hearts. And he felt that really McLaren should have been fifth and sixth again just as they were at Paul Ricard so he was really disappointed and he said that he just really wanted just to go away and just swipe out of the paddock and just and just go 
But he said he's also glad that he gets another chance next weekend to kind of right those wrongs and have another bite of the cherry. And obviously qualifying was very, very difficult for McLaren. And they've spoken to him and given him a bit more clarity in terms of what the areas were, where it went wrong, what they can do to try and fix that ahead of next weekend. Um, in terms of his race performance, yeah, it was it was looking very good. Like I, I think he would have been in really mm-hmm. good shape to theoretically yeah beat Russell beat Alonso but it was just that glitch that just hit exactly the wrong moment and because the midfield was so tightly bunched he got sucked back into that train with Raikkonen with Giovinazzi with Ocon and it really just screwed him for the second half of the race and it meant that even if he matched science on strategy he didn't stand a chance of coming home with any points. So yeah, a very, I think a very disappointing weekend. And he said that he was asked, are there any positives you can take away from it? And he said, compared to Paul Ricard, not really, because France, he seems to make such a huge step forward and like show, okay, this is what I can do. Like I can put in the passes. I can go back to my sort of smack talking on the radio and being punchy. And today it was just a bit like, oh, and it was, it was a real shame because I think a lot of that was out of his hands. And I just really hope that, yeah, next weekend he can come back and if they can fully understand what happened in quality, be a step closer to Lando because we know how good Daniel is over one lap. And then, yeah, hopefully bring home a good haul of points because in the Constructors' Championship, McLaren really need him right now um, because Lando can't do this on his own. He's got Leclerc and Sainz who are very, very quick and performing very, very well. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a weekend that could have been very different. Yeah, such a tough weekend for him. And I hope that it doesn't set him too far back mentally because like you said, he was pumped after last weekend and feeling so good at things. And, you know, revisiting the same track can be a benefit, but also he's probably going to be thinking, oh God, that last weekend was dreadful. But hopefully he pushes pushes that to the back of his mind and he's able to refocus and bring home a solid, solid result next weekend. Now, conscious of time, we don't have that long left and obviously we can't get through the whole grid. So are there any other particularly interesting points that you guys want to flag up to discuss now or anything, Luke, that you might have learnt in the post-race interviews, press conferences, etc., that you think our listeners would love a little looking at? Stroll, very good job. Um, made a really good start. Obviously, that put him up into the points. The Aston were able to hold that pretty well. P8, good job. Uh, Fernando Alonso, he said that P9 was really the most that Alpine could have done today. So the race pace still isn't there compared to many of its midfield rivals. So he was pretty pleased. Uh, Yuki Snowda 10th, I thought a very good job. And I think that a lot of that yes. was rooted in qualifying. The change in approach, it really paid off. Uh, obviously, was hit with a penalty. But actually, I think... Today, there were no errors. I mean, came home with a point and that's that, that's good. So he's making good progress there. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen, I thought, drove a really good race. And I think that um, Alfa Romeo does have a lot of credit for the strategy they pulled today. Um, we saw strategist Ruth Buscombe sort of doing a little fist pump on the pit wall when he made one of his passes. And uh, yeah, good battle with Vettel. So did well to come home 11th. Uh, Seb uh, in 12th, probably should have done a little bit better. I think you look at what Stroll had done, but I think a lot of that was rooted in qualifying yesterday and couldn't quite match him on strategy. Uh, Ricardo, we covered. Uh, Esteban Ocon, uh, similar to Alonso, he said that the pace in the Alpine just wasn't there. And he said that being stuck in that train at the rear after qualifying, obviously, uh, with the likes of Giovinazzi and so on, uh, yeah, made it quite difficult. Uh, Giovinazzi did a pretty good job given he was caught up in that first lap spin and uh, all of the chaos at turn three. So can't complain there uh Schumacher and Mazepin uh Mazepin finished one lap behind Schumacher but Gunsteiner put that down to the blue flags apparently had a lot more to deal with so otherwise he was happy with his pace uh side mention for the uh Mazepin spinning top that Gunsteiner gifted to Nikita Mazepin I thought that was a a very nice self-deprecating touch by the team and Nicholas Latifi uh I don't really know about to be honest so that's my rundown of course, we're racing here again next weekend. So let's have a little look forward to next weekend. Do you think it's going to be, you know, easy ride for Red Bull again? Or do you think we might see a little bit a little bit more of an improvement from Mercedes? What are your thoughts looking ahead to the Austrian Grand Prix next weekend in terms of Red Bull and Mercedes? And who else do you think could make a big step forward from further down the pack? I think we touched a little bit uh, on it earlier in the show uh, in terms of... Sorry, I'm battling a puppy that wants the noisiest toy in the world. Sorry. Um, yeah, we touched on it earlier. I think the the, big, the biggest thing that we're going to have to look at is how that um, 
the steps off the Pirellis, uh, if that makes a real uh, difference to either Red Bull or Mercedes or both in terms of how they're going to approach things. What Mercedes can do, if anything, to answer Red Bull's pace advantage, um, whether there are going to be any mind games that get thrown out mm. in between now and the weekend to try and uh, try and play the game there. But yeah, I mean... I don't think we definitely shouldn't be looking at it like it's the exact same race. I mean, just just remember last year, I mean, the difference between the Styrian Grand Prix and the Austrian Grand Prix, even though it was the other way around last year. Um, you know, we do, we don't, I haven't looked at the weather forecast. I'm not even, I'm not going to look because I'll just be disappointed. So let's just assume that it's going to be a dry race. I just think, you know, we, we saw when we got back-to-backs last year, they don't always deliver in, in fact, I don't think they they ever delivered the same copy paste race. So that's going to be something that's really interesting, um, and we should be we should be looking forward to uh, to another round at the Red Bull Ring. And to be honest, it doesn't have to improve by a lot to be a more interesting race. So let's hope it uh, keep expectations low, and then maybe we'll just be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yes, I would say definitely do not bother looking at the weather forecast because having been out here, I can say that it is not very accurate. Every day we've been told it will be thunderstorms and we have not had that at all. So yeah, don't get yourself uh, doing that. Luke, what about you? Is there anyone that you think is going to make a big jump next weekend? Obviously, we've only got a few days, so there's only so much the teams can do. But we know that some people obviously missed out from things out of their control. For instance, George Russell. Do you think that there's anyone that you're going to really be keeping your eye on next weekend? I think it's going to be interesting to see what Mercedes does. I think that the way they kind of deal with this wacky setup direction and the fact that they sort of made mention of it, that they've got something to look at. It wasn't like they were like, oh, we're all out of ideas here, that there was a reason that they can maybe identify. So I think that's going to be really interesting. I think that um, it's probably going to be a two-stop race next weekend, so that could spice things up a little bit. If it gets really hot, then that could as well sort of come into uh action and sort of play a role as well so i think that's going to be interesting i think that the step softer on the compounds i think that might hurt ferrari a little bit so i think that it's a good chance for mclaren to maybe try and pull a little bit further clear in that fight for third in the championship a good chance for daniel ricardo i think williams they've got to look at next weekend and go look we've we've got a huge chance here clearly we're quick clearly we've got the car in a good place Let's give George another shot at getting those breakthrough points. So, uh, yeah, I think, as Jess said, like it's very, it's not going to happen that we see a sort of mirror race of what we had this weekend. I think it is going to throw up uh, a lot more interesting things. So I think that's going to be interesting. And um, one thing I actually wanted to ask you, Ariana, is Austria yes. was always one of my favourite races to go to. I absolutely love the atmosphere mm-hmm. there. Obviously, last year there were no fans. This year, fans mm-hmm. back. And I believe the attendance is going to go up next weekend yeah. there's a change in the restrictions or everything mm-hmm. uh, but just what has the atmosphere been like in austria like have you found it with all the fans back and everything like that uh, because it's it's one of my favorite races i absolutely love <laughs> this track <Yes. laughs> i mean the scenery is insane and yes we do have fans back so this weekend i think it was fifteen thousand fans that were allowed and next weekend it's a big jump i think to a hundred thousand um wow. because yeah the rules change in the middle of the week so yeah, next weekend's going to be a good one. The atmosphere has been fantastic. The fans are loving it. I mean, I was doing track TV for F1, so literally just what the fans see on the big screens. And they were in their element. Lots of Red Bull fans in the crowd, obviously. Um, I also saw some people really rapping hard for Yuki Tsunoda. Um, oh, nice. But yeah, the fan- <laughs> it was yeah, it was great. Just like in the midst of the Red Bull fans, they're rapping for Yuki. Uh, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's so nice to have the fans back in the grandstands. The atmosphere is picking up again and it's what we want to see. And obviously we're lucky now because the next few races are looking promising in terms of fan attendance. So fingers crossed, we're just able to keep getting a little bit closer to normality because it really does just make the whole atmosphere of the race weekend. And, you know, the driver's parade was great as well. And I'm sure for the drivers, they love to see that support. So yes, it was a great atmosphere and I'm absolutely buzzing to be doing it all again next weekend. But guys, we are at our time. That was pretty perfect timing there, actually. Thank you guys, as always, for chatting with me. I feel like, you know, we said at the start, there might not be much to talk about, but here we are an hour later. So we did it. Listeners have nothing to complain about. We managed to smash through that hour. 
And of course, we'll be back next weekend for the Austrian Grand Prix. So enjoy the few days off, everyone, before we get straight back into the action. And while you wait for the next race weekend to come around, why not head over to Autosport Plus right now? Amazing articles up there, as always. And here are a few that you can have a little read through. After taking their third back-to-back -back win in France, Alex Kalinorkas has penned an article on whether Red Bull can really win anywhere now that he has toppled a Mercedes F1 stronghold. Jonathan Noble writes on how F1's biggest crisis helped trigger its exciting 2021 season. And of course, we've had the first W Series race of their 2021 season, and Megan White has written an article on why W Series' champion is taking nothing for granted ahead of the series return. That's all from us, and we'll be back very, very soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.